Roofing Mastery Podcast, episode number nine. Welcome to the Roofing Mastery Podcast. My name is Dylan McCabe, and in every episode, we give you a behind-the-scenes look at the roofing industry as we interview owners, CEOs of roofing companies, and industry experts so that you can have tips, tools, and a roadmap to take your own roofing company to the next level. And I'm excited about this interview because I interview Stephanie Saunders from United Claims Specialist. She's a public adjuster, and she's going to give us a behind-the-scenes look at what happens with public adjusting. She's going to talk about a specific scenario where it went really well. She's also going to talk about a scenario where it gets a little bumpy in the process for her and her clients, and she's going to help you understand of the difference between using a public adjuster and taking something to appraisal. We're just going to dive deep on the whole insurance game in this episode. So let's jump right into my interview with Stephanie Saunders. Here we go. All right. As I stated, we have special guest Stephanie Saunders on. She is a public adjuster with United Claims Specialist. So Stephanie, thank you for joining the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And I'm I'm excited too, because we had a really good talk before we got on, on this meeting. And uh, I'm excited to kind of hear more about what it's like to be a public adjuster, how you help general contractors. I know we're going to share a real life story of when things go well, when things don't go well. But for people just listening now that may, may not have heard of United Claims Specialist before, kind of explain your background and how you got into be a public adjuster. Okay, sure. So it's really interesting. I definitely stumbled across this path. Um, I was always in property, but I used to represent creditors and I would take people's homes back, right? So it was always against the consumer. Um, And in that, there's something called, so in ARIA, there's something called uh, field services. So when the bank owns a property, they're always having to maintain the property and they would have damage all the time. So I realized that this property damage or property insurance claim situation was a big deal. And I found United Claims Specialist because we needed some help. And I ended up saying, I need to switch gears. I want to be on the other side. I'd rather help consumers than hurt them. So that's how I got into adjusting. So for people that don't know or maybe aren't familiar with using a public adjuster, kind of explain what United Claims Specialist does and what your role as a public adjuster is. So our role is really to be an advocate for the policyholder, whether it's commercial property, residential property, any property, we help you fight against the insurance company for what you're really owed. And if you don't want to use the term fight, it's really help you represent yourself because the insurance company is always going in their favor. It's a business. They want to protect their pocket and they want to pay out as little as they can. So they're profitable. So for you as the policyholder, you should have someone that's representing you, showing you what you really should be getting for some damage that's occurred. So explain kind of the difference in what it is to work with, you know, the average public adjuster compared to you guys, because we, we use them. So for the roofing company I work for, Rain Tight General Contracting, we use a public adjuster. Sometimes we send things to appraisal. We've also, you know, in the interview with Cannon Barong from Barong Construction, he shares a story about where he used a public adjuster and it went really, really bad. And then he talks about a public adjuster he used and it was just phenomenal. So since not all public adjusters are created equal, <laughs> what would you say are some tips to know how you can know 
whether you're working with a good public adjuster or not, like what should a general contractor who's in roofing look for in a great public adjuster? I think that, you know, you really, you never know, but I think the main thing that you should be prepared for is having a PA that knows when they're bringing value, right? If you, if you have a, P, a public adjuster that's working with you and they will take any claim you have, no matter what's going on, and they're never weary of getting involved, then they might not be in it for the right reasons, Right. So when we get involved, we look at the full scope of what's happening. Typically, a roofer is is only concerned with the estimate for the roof. Right. So when we're brought in, if we're only able to get that number up a little bit and there's no interior damage, it's probably not wise to be with the PA. Right. The only reason you really want a PA is because they're going to enhance what you're currently working on. Okay. And so for, for your company, I looked at your website, you guys have a really nice looking website. And I know you told me offline about the number of employees you have and stuff like that. What makes Mm -hmm. you guys different than somebody who just bought a little cheap logo on a logo maker website and threw up their own personal website? I think it's that we're experts. And like I said, I mean, we really, we don't, we don't sign every claim. You know, I'll give you a scenario of, of how we're really beneficial. You, you mentioned the difference between appraisal and hiring a public adjuster. So when you bring on an appraiser, the appraiser is only taking the amount of money you are, are, are trying to fight for straight to appraisal. And they cannot go to the carrier to negotiate or ask for anything. So with us, when you when we're getting involved, we're doing a full-on investigation. So I think the value we bring is knowing our stuff and being a strong team of 50 plus people. We're national, we we represent large losses, and we want to bring value. We're not just trying to make money. Okay. So let's, let's get into a real life story here. When yeah. you talk about large loss claims and, and that's something that we, we, a term we get heard thrown around. And I think a lot of people that are focused on residential roofing and not so much commercial don't hear this as much, but what, what's a real life story of when okay. somebody engaged you guys and it went really well. And I also want to hear a story of when it didn't go so well and why. Okay. And I want to elaborate a little bit on that appraisal difference, and this will make more sense with this scenario. So uh, I have a new roofer that I just started working with. He sent me a large commercial loss and he had the roof written up at about 1.2 million. He had the claim for me. He was handling the claim on his own. He had it for about a year and he was going to the engineer inspections on his own. He was handling everything. So at one point, the insurance company asked this roofer to complete a proof of loss, which we call a POL. Um, And in this, he wrote the total scope of damage to be what his estimate was worth. And he he had the uh, insured sign it, notarize it, send it into the insurance company. And the insurance company immediately demanded appraisal. So it registered to this roofer that this might be a problem. Why did they automatically, finally, after all this time, want to go to appraisal? 
So the reason for that is because they probably got really excited at the fact that he just limited the scope of damage to be $1.2 million because they knew that it was valued probably at a lot more than that. So he had, he had included a little bit of exterior work. So outside of just the roof, but nothing interior. So he brought us on as an, as an adjuster instead of as an appraiser. And we evaluated before appraisal time. And we realized that the claim would be double. So we were like 2.7. So we had to come in and we had to start asking for things. And they immediately, the insurance company immediately wanted to push to go to appraisal while staying at the original proof of loss value. Does that make sense? So he basically pigeonholed himself to being stuck at this dollar amount because he agreed in the proof of loss that this was the total scope. So it, it would have been a losing situation. So now we're in, we're, we're completely changing the game. We're able to do that. And we're going to be able to settle it at double what he had originally intended. Wow. That's awesome. So what should he have, so at what point in the process should he have stopped and gone, okay, I'm getting out of my depth. It's time to, it's time to talk to Stephanie. So I think now uh, we have a pretty solid relationship because we, we've really saved the day for him here. He's amazed at, at what's gone on and he will never just try to handle a claim on his own. He's, or at least he will never be submitting a proof of loss which is part of the process. So typically a claim gets filed, you submit estimates, and then you're asked for a proof of loss so they can evaluate that total scope. So I think he's just really sending us anything because it gets the headache off of him of having maybe missed something that is out of his scope of work. He's not doing interior stuff. He's not trying to go after the GC work. So in the beginning... Interesting. Yeah. You know, we look at it like we, we always do a full scope of work on our jobs. And if the insurance company comes back and says, Oh no, you know, we're going to, we're going to go with three out of those 10 things. Okay. Well, we're either going to a public adjuster or we're taking it to appraisal. I mean, we don't even try to argue back and forth. That's good. You know, there's some insurance agents that are great and sometimes their hands are tied by the higher ups of the company, but, and then there's some that are just, just terrible. Yeah, it's a terrible yeah. experience. It has nothing to do. I don't think whether they're an insurance agent or not. It's just some people are really wanting to be rock stars and help you out. And some people are not. Right. Well, I think it all comes down to the fact that insurance companies are businesses and people forget that. So it's like, even if they're great people, you know, I have some friends who work at insurance agencies and it's like, they're good people, but their job, they're incentivized not to pay. They get bonused at the end of the year to have the least amount of claims filed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That to me, that's crazy. Yeah, definitely. I and mean, I guess it's crazy. something everybody should know. And you know, when you say that something you do is either hire an, an adjuster or go to appraisal, you know, you should never just go straight to appraisal only for what I'm saying there. There, the insurance company is almost happy when you go straight to appraisal. Because did you know that if you go to appraisal and you have not included certain aspects, like maybe you weren't aware there was mold, maybe you weren't aware of certain little things, that insured cannot go back and reopen that claim. It's final. So you kind of hurt them a little bit if you don't know every aspect. I understand that some roofers are GCs, but if you're not and you're not also having a restoration company in there, you could be doing more harm than good. 
Okay. So let's talk about this. So we are, we're a general contractor. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'm relatively new to the industry. So kind of educate me and our listeners on the difference between like, obviously you talked about some of the differences between going to a public adjuster and sending it to appraisal, but what, what are the main differences or how do you know which one to go with at what point? So I think that truthfully, you should just think of it as if you're going to appraisal, you don't know what you're missing out on. If you go to an adjuster, even if the adjuster tells you, hey, I don't really think that there's much we can do here. You've done a great job as the contractor. You've written this up very well. You've missed nothing, right? That at least you know that this would be a safe one to go straight to appraisal on. But as a general contractor, are you an expert in windows? No, I mean, we sub right. it out. So there is a whole aspect of what you do that you may not be an expert in. Exterior work, uh, the, the foundational stuff, the window replacement. So in that example I gave before with the roofer and the proof of loss, we are having all windows replaced. We had to have a window expert. cost us like $7,000 to have that window expert come in. But all of those windows, 100% need coverage. They're over 25% damaged. And you might not be in that wheelhouse. So why miss out on that for your customer? So it, it does you are, you know, our fee of, you know, five to 10% on a commercial property is nothing compared to the millions of extra dollars you could be missing out on. Yeah, right. And it's, you know, it's surrounding yourself with the right people to get a phenomenal job done. And it's not, if it's not your day job, there's just no way that somebody's going to be able to hang with you guys. And you're very detail oriented. I mean, I can tell that from the couple of calls that we've had that you're, you're very detail oriented. And we've also worked with, with, and that's what you need is my point yeah. there. But we've worked, we, we worked one job where we, I felt like we were bringing more to the table than the public adjuster was because the guy was not detail oriented. He showed up to the meeting late. He was acting like he didn't want to be there. And I think part of it was because it was the second time we called him out to look at the property because he missed a bunch of stuff the first time. So we've since gone with another firm for other projects and it's worked out really well. Um, right. And again, it's people it has nothing to do with whether he's a public adjuster or not, but um, you need somebody that's detail oriented and reliable and process driven and you guys clearly are with a team like that. So let's let's so that's one that went well. Yep. Let's talk about a story where somebody engaged you guys and it didn't go so well. And let's take some key insights from that. Okay. So let's see. You something where we didn't have a good claim. You know, it doesn't happen very often. It's all perspective, right? Um, the claims that we represent, really, they all go well. If the damage is covered from apparel, we get it claimed. Uh, we get it paid. You know, some claims, they may end up in litigation. I would say that that could be a scenario where it's not going well because that's not where we want to go, right? We want to settle all of our claims. And even, I like to say, within 90-day period of time. So if we're going to litigation, we haven't we haven't done so well. <laughs> so that's when it can get a little bumpy and it sounds like that's something you guys want to avoid. But if you do the right things up front, hopefully that won't happen. We but when we interviewed Wally Stein with Modern Concepts, that's one of the things he said is that if you're gonna take it and use a public adjuster uh, or take it to appraisal, be ready. It you know, 
if the insurance company says we're going to take it to litigation, you got to be ready for that. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's funny because a lot of attorneys, they've, they've kind of changed gears and tried to do pre-lit. So they're taking on files as a public adjuster, and then they sub out the work for the investigating and that detail-oriented portion of things. And they're doing it with people maybe who are less qualified. So when they take on that front-end work and they're not working with an expert initially, it ends up hurting them. So I know that it's not their favorite thing to do, but it's business. So I think when when we're giving a file to an attorney, they're happy because they know that they can rely on those numbers. But I, I would say that that's not that's a claim that hasn't gone well. Like if we if we end up there, but yes, you definitely we're always prepared if we need to go that direction. Okay. So what's a key takeaway from that? If you could give the best advice ever to general contractors who are in roofing, what would you tell them having, knowing what you know? I think knowing what I know is that you should, you should always think of an adjuster as a tool and you should think of appraisal as a powerful process that can sometimes limit your scope. Okay. So when they, when, when somebody, when a general contractor is going through this process and they're thinking, okay, this is going to be a big process here. We've got a big claim on our hands. At what point should they reach out to you? Probably right away. You know, even I would say before you start writing things up and submitting estimates, um, you should just call a PA, let them look at it, let them see what the coverage is, let them be honest with you, have someone you can trust that you know will be honest with you, isn't just trying to sign everything. And then have, have that person in your pocket so that you can work together to make this the best possible scenario for everyone involved. Um, because if you don't, then you submit estimates in the front end, you limit your scope almost the same way you do with taking something straight to appraisal and not having it fully evaluated. So why wouldn't someone engage you guys if they're if they're working on bigger projects or even in a residential home? I mean, we had one last week that started out and we started, the insurance company said no, and we've, we, the claim has gone from on a residential home from I think 24,000 to 46,000 mm -hmm. in about 30 days. So to me, it's a no brainer to say, okay, I'm the general contractor. I want to do right by my customers, but also as far as overhead and profit goes, as far as end of the year numbers goes, I mean, if you add $5,000 to a claim, and I'm not talking about trying to squeeze every dollar out of the insurance company that you can, but if you getting a full scope of work means five more thousand dollars on an insurance claim or a hundred thousand more or a million more at the end of the year or five million more, whatever it is, it makes sense to me to just have that same process over and over again. So I guess my question is, is why would somebody not regularly work with somebody like you? What, what's the information that they're missing that they need to know? You know, I really think it's it's mind-blowing when I talk to roofers and they say that they don't work with PAs or they don't want to, and they're not even, even exploring the insurance claim process. You know, there are so many roofers out there that are still not even using insurance claims in their business model. And when I sit down and talk to them, I'm just like, okay, forget about listening to me like I'm some salesperson. Just think about the business you're missing out on that almost every single customer you see 
has an insurance claim and that you're missing out on the opportunity for more work and for more money for your client. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's a lack of understanding that we're not competitors. I think some people look at it like maybe the public adjuster could be taking something away from the table for a roofing company or for a contractor, but really we're just adding a value of dollar amounts. So I think that's, it's that simple. They just maybe are missing the fact that we're not competitors. Yeah, for me, I mean, it's a numbers game because if you do, like, let's say I do 80 residential roofs in a year, if I can add $5,000 to those 80 roofs, that adds up to a, a big number at the end of the year. If right, I'm engaging, even, even change that number 80 roofs to 180 because what about the people you have to turn away that don't have the money to pay for your service, even though they really need it? Maybe you're just doing repairs. I know some roofing companies are very profitable in repairs, but what what about a temporary repair? Because you know you're assisting them with getting the money for a full repair. They're going to come back to you then twice, right? That's huge. Oh, definitely. And it, referral business as well. I mean, it's all part of it, right? Right. And so for for me, I mean, I look at it like, okay, let's say you guys take five to 10% of the fee of the overall claim or whatever. But if you add at least five to 10% more to the top line number of the claim, it's a wash. And so if you're going to consistently add whatever it is, 20%, 30%, it's a no brainer. Yep. And for me, honestly, wearing my roofing hat as a roofer, it's nice to be able to unload that to somebody else. And to feel like it's not me against the insurance company. I don't want to be in that role. Right. I'm not good at that role. I don't like that role. It takes me away from the thing I'm good at, which is getting to know people, talking to people, getting out and about. And that's what I like about it is I can go to go to you and say, okay, Stephanie, here's a deal. Here's this commercial property where we know they need to file a claim. They've already actually started the process. Here's where we're at. And, and to me, it's just much smoother sailing. I can focus on sales. Somebody else can focus on the part that I'm not that great at. Right. You go get more business, leave the dirty work of all of the negotiating and estimating to someone who has your back and is going to make sure that they're all the little things you weren't considering are, are, cut, are brought into the fold and covered for you. Yep. Absolutely. So for, for general contractors out there that are listening to this or watching this, is there a resource or a tool uh, that you would recommend? I mean, would it be your website? Would it be, I mean, I know your LinkedIn page, you're posting stuff all the time. I think you've got like 10,000 connections. So you're definitely posting a lot of really helpful content. What, what's a good way to get connected with you and get connected to some helpful resources? I would say find me on LinkedIn. I'm Stephanie Saunders. Check me out on there or go to our website. It's ucspa.com. Um, but I'm, I'm looking to connect with people on LinkedIn and provide that information and education and all of these experiences that we've had where we've actually helped people. Okay. And I'll definitely include the link to LinkedIn and to your website in the show notes um, as well. So so let's kind of shift gears and talk about what you've learned as far as working with general contractors and you've worked with a lot of roofers with all the stuff that you guys do. What's something that you just see over and over again that roofers are missing? They're just, they're not too savvy on, they're not too keen on. 
that you guys are constantly, it's, 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 it's simple for you because you're in this day in and day out, but what's something that you just see roofers constantly missing or messing up on? You know what I see that is, it perplexes me really because it's two totally different perspectives is that when you are handling as a roofer or a GC, when you're handling insurance claims on a property that you have a job, you know, contracted for, um, you are, going by the dollar amounts that are applied on the estimate from the carrier. So you go through this breakdown, let's say that, you know, a certain amount of money was allocated for gutters, right? Then you're, you're going back to your client and saying, this is the cost of the gutters. When in reality, there is no guideline that says that the money that is on the estimate from the carrier is how the money has to be applied. So if the customer gets a check, for $190,000, then they have whatever amount of money they need to do the repairs with you. So they don't have to allocate only $1,400 to you know, uh, some sort of material you need. They can take that money and apply it however they want. And it really blows my mind that the roofers are always concerned with how the breakdown is listed on the estimate, because it, it doesn't matter. That settlement is a total number that is geared towards your services. Yeah, and it's really just an offer. Exactly. It's not, a, it's not the final word on exactly. the revenue that's going to be switching hands here. And I told I told somebody that yesterday. I said, look, if you do file a claim, we're in North Texas. There's been multiple hailstorms over the last few years. Yes, we're going to come do a free inspection. But I'm assuming since you're in this area, you haven't ever filed a claim on your roof. You're probably going to file a claim. Let's look at it first to be sure. When you do, you're going to get an adjuster to come out. We are going to meet the adjuster at your house. We're going to walk through our list as they go through theirs. Then they're going to send you some paperwork. And on that paperwork is your first offer. Right. <laughs> it is not the final number. It is your first offer. This is like buying a car. Right. There's going to be some back and forth. And one of the things that we learned was uh, a lot from talking to people on the level of playing field forum and talking to guys like Wally Stein and stuff is there's, there's some people out there that they'll put a scope of work together and then they put their profit margin in there and that's how they put their estimates together. And they have a very kind of like a lump sum contract, right? And that's it. They're not using Xactimate and then running all those exact numbers. Uh, that's, that's just not what they're doing, but I've found that that's not the norm. Right. Most people are just using Xactimate putting the squares in there, the gutters, all these line items using Xactimate pricing, and then they're putting their contract together. There's, but there needs to be more of, like you said, there, there just needs to be more of an entrepreneurial mindset about this where you're kind of setting the course instead of feeling like you're controlled by the insurance company. Right, right. Well, obviously you need to have a, a solid estimate to make it make sense to your customer for sure. But I guess it's just whatever the estimate is from the insurance company, it doesn't have, it's not, you know, that's not your concern. Let your customer now pay you because they got their settlement. When we work with, with roofers and they bring us on in the very beginning, we always kind of have to walk them through this because they're like, well, what about, you know, the um, recoverable depreciation? We need to know all that. It's like, why do you care about that? You're going to be paid fully. Why not get in, get out? We're going to work with you throughout the whole process. We're going to make sure you know where we're at on the roof before we're starting our negotiation to make sure it works for you and it's the right numbers. But at the end of the settlement, if they have a full settlement, why are you worried about depreciation costs? 
let them get that $1,200 extra dollars. You're done already. You've gotten the full amount of money. So you can charge your full price. You don't have to reduce it in the beginning. Just, just get in and out. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. And so, and I know you guys work with a lot of property management companies as well yeah. too. What, what's a scenario where you see something from a distance and you're like, oh boy, this is going to be, this is going to require some heavy lifting on our end. You know, what's funny is I have seen on so many occasions, a roofer get fired or a project manager get fired during a, a claim when we're brought in by ownership, which is like an asset manager or their property manager, because the roofer tries to control what the outcome of the claim is by using those breakdowns. I have seen that really upset uh, an ownership. I think if you're going to work, maybe we weren't brought in by the roofer. So there was a lack of communication. They, they found us to be like a threat to them. When really, if we work together, we're just, we're helping each other. So I think it's always, if there's a PA involved, you, you don't want to start going behind their back because they have a financial relationship at that moment with ownership, right? And they want to be on your side. So if you try to step in and kind of control things there, it could be bad. I've seen, I've seen roofers get fired for trying to, you know, say that they know the insurance game better and, you know, they get upset and it doesn't work out. So I think just always be on the same side as your adjuster because they've got your back too. <laughs> Interesting. That see, and it just sounds so weird to me because in North North in Dallas and North Texas, we're constantly dealing with insurance claims. I mean, yeah. it's just it's like ninety five percent of our business, right? And right. so we're we're we are so readily um, we're just so ready to work with PAs and and go that route. So that's interesting. Hey, you well, know, I'll say one other thing. We, we had a claim in Texas in Dallas. It was a hailstorm, and we were brought in by ownership. And I remember there were two roofing companies that were competing for the job that we had recommended. And one of the roofers said that they would do a free estimate for them. And it was the winning ticket that the other uh, roofing company didn't think about because they weren't that familiar with like the insurance process. And anyway, it was just a tiny little thing like that in Texas that I would imagine everyone would be doing already. And they won the, the bid because they were offering this free service. I mean, I, I'm sure you offer free estimates every day. You already said that, right? Everybody's doing that. Yeah. If you go to, you our, if, you, to. if you go to raintight.net, you see a big button that says free estimate. I mean, it's all over our Good. website. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's, who cares if it's a waste of time or if you have a real estate agent that says, Hey, I've got a buyer that wants to buy this home. Will you go check out the roof? You know, it's some, uh, nothing of something is better than nothing of nothing. Like if you send me 10 possible jobs and I only get five of them, that's still five that I never would have had. Right. So exactly. some more is better than nothing more at all. And so, yeah, we do free estimates all the time. I'm doing one tomorrow, but I'm confident Good. that after that, they're going to go with us no matter what happens. Right. Because then you you're in front to. of the customer. I mean, you know how it is. It's, yep. it's part of the sales process. If, once you're actually engaging the customer, you've, you've pretty much won. Right. But it was so. such a crazy thing to see someone lose a job for, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah we do free. We actually do free drone inspections. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. We do that too. 
Yeah, a lot of a lot of people will charge five hundred bucks or whatever, and it's like you know what? Let's just do it for free. It's fun to get out and fly a drone anyway. Right. You know, and then we'll <laughs> exactly. use it for we'll use it for our own content. It'll be some drone right. footage that we'll put on our website. So, so that's yeah. So, so knowing what you know and and sharing these stories and stuff like that, what kind of what's some parting? What's a parting piece of advice you have for our listeners? Be friends with each other. Adjusters and roofers are on the same team. <laughs> that is my parting piece of advice. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. And I'll yeah. put the, I'll put the, uh, like I said, I'll put the link to your website in the notes of the show. I'll put your LinkedIn there as well. Awesome. Um, but Stephanie, thank you so much for joining the show. It's yes, been really a pleasure. All right. Great interview with Stephanie Saunders from United Claims Specialist. I like what she said about the differences between using a public adjuster and taking things to appraisal. You can tell she's very detail-oriented. They have a team of over 40 staff, and this is all they do all day long. They clearly have it together. And and I like what she said also about how certain general contractors just don't do certain things. And she sees this over and over again. And so that's kind of a gut check for all of us general contractors out there are we really dotting all of our I's and crossing all of our T's to make sure we are getting a full scope of work reimbursed by the insurance company? And I like also what she said about how we're on the same team. And, you know, again, that's kind of weird for me in Dallas, Texas, because on the general contractor side, we work with appraisers and public adjusters a lot because so much of the work we do is hail damage. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with Stephanie, you can find her on LinkedIn, Stephanie Saunders. I'll put the link in the show notes to this podcast. Also, their website for United Claims Specialist is ucsfl.com. Sorry, I have a head cold. If it's hard to understand that, I'll put that link in there as well. And guys, I'm super excited that we've rolled out our CEO groups. If you are the owner or CEO or president of a roofing company, you need to consider being part of one of our peer advisory groups that's only for owners, CEOs, and presidents of roofing companies. They are limited to 10 to 12 people, so join the wait list if you want to hear more about that and how we get into traction, how you can get traction in your business and go from the urgent to the strategic and learn about more of our operating system and how these CEO groups, you get a team of people who give you great insights, who've been through what you've been through. They know your business better than anybody else, and they keep you accountable to taking the steps to take your business to the next level so that you're working on your business and not just in it. Just schedule a discovery call through our website, roofingmastery.com. Click that menu that says CEO Groups to learn more there. We are super excited about that. And of course, if you need help with online marketing like SEO and pay-per-click ads and stuff, we have a great background and a lot of tools in our toolbox with that as well. And very last, I would just say if this has been helpful to you, please take just a minute on your iPhone right now to rate and review this podcast. Just go to the show, Roofing Mastery, scroll down. There's a, It's in small little letters there, and it says, write a review. Please do that. It helps us get the word out. It is a very competitive market space for us as well, just like it is for you and your business. So please help us get the word out and rate and review on iTunes. Guys, if you have any other questions or comments, you can definitely reach out to me on our website or on our Facebook page, Roofing Mastery, and in our Roofing Mastery group. This is Dylan McCabe with another podcast, Roofing Mastery, and I will catch you in the next episode. Hey.